Acts 14 and verse 3. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. The Lord enabled the apostles to speak plainly the gospel message of Christ in the face of opposition and division. You know, still in the book of Acts, we looked at verse 4. and uh, But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. I was thinking when I read that verse, uh, this uh, country is divided. It's the main division is between the lost and the saved. But there's divided with all type of ethnic groups and so forth. But the Spirit of God accompanied their preaching with signs and wonders according to His will. And I don't see, we don't expect to see the same signs that they did back in the early days. But the signs that we look for or should look for today is the growth of, of Christians. Uh, being willing and able to uh, not to be popular but to be uh, passionate about the things of God. You know, uh, we look at in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. And on my outline, I underline the last three words, his own will. God is not as popular as he was He's still doing his own will. We, or I don't, I shouldn't say we don't. I don't understand, to be honest, my, I have a hard time understanding why God tolerates certain things. But we know that it's got to reach that point. And then the father's going to say, Son, go get my children. And I think it's important for us to know that he didn't say, go get the church members, didn't go get the evangelists or name. He very pacific, go get my children. And his children are those who follow him, submit to him, and when we don't, it bothers us. See, I think it's just natural for any of us in this room to 
do things that we shouldn't do. But it seemed today in which we live in, it don't really bother anybody. That's why one of my favorite songs used to be getting used to the dark. See, after you do something so long, it becomes acceptable. But back up a verse here in Hebrews, and we look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? In other words, the gospel that Jesus spoke on earth should be the same gospel message that we would preach today. The lingo, the, the language, the illustrations would be different. But the point, everybody that has been born again, they ought to realize that there's somebody out there that nobody can reach but me. But we don't believe that anymore. Because when it comes to Christianity, what we believe, we practice. You know, as what I told my, uh, the husband of my the grand, granddaughter. You know, I talked to all of them. But I said, you know, how you treat her depends on who you think she belongs to. Think about that statement. Here on earth, she must she may be tied to you, but she don't belong to you. And I think the worst thing that happened in marriage is for a man or woman, vice versa, either way, to show no honor and respect and love for that gift that God has gave them. The Bible says a wife is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's just like to win your children, to win your grandchildren, to win your neighbor. It's a good thing. But isn't it amazing that uh, we wish people good luck, happy fortune, whatever terminology we may want to use when they start a new job. But we get excited when somebody we care about gets saved. But for a child, God borns them. But then we as mothers and fathers and family and church members, we are the ones that teach them. Not teach them our habits, but teach them what God has taught. The, the Spirit granted the apostles great evidence and proof 
of his working and converting souls to Christ. You know, we say, well, God has, uh, you know, he blessed Caitlin's husband with a, a good job. What makes it real good is got good benefits. Benefits are so important. Now, you know, I believe, and I've taught it here as your pastor, I've talked to my family about it, I've talked to other people, God gave me the job at IBM. He gave it to me. Because humanly speaking, I couldn't ever have passed it, you know. But he let the doctor be out somewhere else, had a substitute doctor come in, you know. God just works wonders after wonders. Now, let me get to the scriptures. The Spirit granted the apostles great evidence and proof of his working in the converting of the souls of Christ for whom he shed his precious blood. Every one of you in this room tonight that is saved, God shed his blood for you. The evidence that that's true is that you're entirely a different person tonight than what you were one second before God saved you. Turn with me to Acts, the 14th chapter. Acts 14, 1. God said here, it came to pass in Atronia that they went both together into the synagogues of the Jews and so spake that great multitudes, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. Two points there. They went into the synagogue. It would be like we invited them to the church. They went into the church. Now, notice... Notice here what we see. He said, They went both together into the synagogues, the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. It 14, Acts 14 1 doesn't teach anything. It teaches, it makes no difference what nation you come from, what color you are, how you're brought up. If you're going to be saved, you've got to hear the word of God. Amen. And God blessed it. Two different types of people. But yet, God doesn't save them. It was the very same spirit that caused them to speak of Christ with such power and yet so warmly with such concern for their souls. We learn that 
as we grow, as we grow, we got to understand that if Steve and I went out on visitation tonight and we were invited into a lost man's house, our responsibility is to be gentle, but to realize they may shake their head and they may treat us nice until the Spirit of God touches them. They have no idea what we just said. That's the reason that people come service after service. They physically hear, but not spiritually hear. And what we physically hear, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I can still remember uh, things that Jay, as, as you know, is adopted. You know, I look at Jay just like I do Kim. Both of them are mine and Doris. God gave both of them to us. But she doesn't relate to some of the things that Kim relates to. I want you to think about that because most parents will say, uh, well, you know, we'll carry on that conversation because Angie, our daughter, is just two years old. Did anybody ever told, tell you about the baby in the mother's womb that heard something and she leaped? How, was, how old was that baby? We know the baby was still in the mother's womb. We don't know what a child hears and understands. But we better start at a young age. Better start at a young age. It was the very same spirit, very same spirit that caused them to speak of Christ with such power and yet so warmly and such concern for their souls. I wish I knew what I'm teaching tonight when I first started. But I didn't. You've got to realize, I don't care how you say it, how you phrase it, unless the Spirit of God bears witness with it and nothing happens. Yeah. Same spirit. So mighty is the spirit of God in blessing the unadulterated grace of God in Christ. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. All right. 
Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. Let us, let us start at verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Holy Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. I think, maybe I'm just talking to myself, I I still remember that day on years 25 when God saved me. But have I forgot that he was the one today that kept me saved? So the old songwriter that wrote the song, Near My God to Thee, that's what we need. And the one thing that is wonderful about that, if nobody in the church, nobody in this building does it, let's say, let's say, it was God that blessed us. If he gave it to me, it was God that blessed me. Because this flesh didn't get better because he got older. Think about that now. Because if the Spirit withdrawed himself from me for an hour, and I'll tell him, I'd probably be worse than I ever was when I was lost. Because it's the Spirit of God that keeps us. It keeps us. Because I believe that, I have a hard time uh, telling anybody, you need to be like me. You need to be more like me. No, you don't. You need to be more like Christ. So let it be noted that their success was not due to their preaching style or personalities, but to the Spirit of God who blessed the preaching of the word of his grace, Christ. I think if we can begin to relate, when we think of grace, we think of Christ. When we think of Christ, what was Christ? He was our gift. What is grace? A gift. For by grace are you saved. For the Son willing to be obedient. That's why I'm saved tonight. Perseverance in the gospel without compromise is in the face of danger and hardship is a Blessed evidence of God's grace in not only saving, but keeping each one of his chosen redeemed. 
It was grace that saved Steve. It's grace that keeps him saved. I don't care if he lives on this earth to be a hundred too. It wasn't experience that kept you. It wasn't what you believe. If you didn't believe the gospel, this word is is active. This word is alive. Let me just a little sidebar. Have you ever talked to somebody and really believed they don't hear a word I say? You know, when we're reading his word, I wonder how much of the time is God receiving what we're doing? As the apostles went on in Christ's name and strength, he did not fail to give testimony to the word of his grace through them. See, what I want to see in you and what you should want to see in me is the effects of grace. Grace is the gift that saved me. Grace is the gift that will keep me. And grace... God's power, grace is a gift. For by grace are we saved. Grace is a gift. So if God keeps bestowing grace upon me, then I'm able every day to do what he wants me to do, to think, you know. And you get to a point that certain shows on the television, everybody else may watch them, you just can't do it. Certain books you can't read. And when that happens, you know that you're growing in grace. See, a child, we give the child gifts. They don't know what those gifts are. I mean, you take the average two-year-old, give them some pots and pans, set them... Set them down in the middle of the floor. They'll have a ball. My son to prove that. He used to go down to Dora's mom's house and she just opened the bottom cabinet. He just bring out every pot and pan and just banging on him, having a ball. We was much smarter than that, you know. So when our uh, our <coughs> kids came, we, you know, and then our grandkids, you know, over beside my door, you'll see a bastard. Got toys, old toys that Tim and and Anthony used to play with. What does Caroline want to play with? Those old toys, because they make noise. But I'm getting smarter, Linda. I'm getting rid of one at a time. (laughs) So how do the scriptures sum up the word of God's grace? We need look no further than 
the example of Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. I mean, it's all right here in the book of Acts. And we won't take time tonight to read all of those uh, scriptures. But in Acts, the 13th chapter, turn with me to the 13th chapter of the book of Acts. And verse 33, God said here, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He has fulfilled through the obedience of life, death, and resurrection. There remains nothing of the law for any of his redeemed ones yet to fulfill or contribute for salvation or cheapening. Did you understand what I said? We, we are to join a church through baptism if God has saved us. We are to read the word. We are to share our talents. Everything that we do that we call worship, we are to continue to do it. But, you know, as he said, he has fulfilled through the obedient life, death, and resurrection. It was finished. When Jesus said it's finished, nothing else got to be done. That's it. But we also see, you know, in John 19.30, you don't have to turn there. It's a simple verse. It said, it is finished. It is finished. Nothing else that we have to do. All is is finished. So why do we do anything? Because God has every saved person. God has put a desire to learn more, to do more, and when we don't follow His obedience, we don't lose our our salvation. But what we see today is it takes a lot to cause the average Christian to get as excited over a good gospel message as it would a movie on TV. Can you imagine if a church would get excited over God as it does every time Kentucky plays? You know, people don't think about that because we say, well, that's two different things. So we leave church on Sunday and we set the Lord on a shelf or put him back in a box like he was a little doll.
you can't do a, a marriage that way. You know, you can't uh, say I do and the, they kiss each other and for the first time I'd give to you so-and-so. That's just the beginning. That is just the beginning. When Christ saved me that Tuesday morning, that's just the beginning. Can you imagine what kind of Christian I'd be if I had never attended church, I've never read, I never prayed? Every ball player on that football team of Kentucky or basketball team, they all want to play. Right? They'll sit on the bench the whole season to get an opportunity to play next season. I don't see that in an excitement on out of any church member. You know, we because you know we got to realize that Christ is not part of your life, church. It is your life. It is your life. Still in the book of Acts 13, verse 38, God said, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. What does that verse mean? It means exactly what it says. When Brother DeRossett preached, it's through the forgiveness that Christ is willing to forgive me. He's willing to forgive me. I, we lived in an apartment house, probably similar to a couple, three young people that lives in these condos. Brother Bill came up and he, you know, he was, he was saying, if you love him, you should, and then you've got to know Brother Bill, he would pause, not should, you will want to listen to him. Can't listen to him any other way. If Jesus was here tonight, he wouldn't say anything that wasn't in this word. By him, all that believe are justified from all things. Have you thought or have you heard somebody, well, you know, uh, you don't know all what I've done. You know, Jesus would never, you know, you just don't know how deep in sin I was. One little white lie will send you to hell and you'll burn just like anybody else. 
but his blood cleansed us from all sin. And lastly, in Acts 13, verse 39, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he would not be justified by the law of Moses. You know what God is saying? If I was able to keep the law 100% Steve, I still couldn't get saved. Because the law is telling us what Christ has done for us. I mean, the law is more than don't do this and don't do that and don't do that. He said, the word of God's grace declares the justification of sinners in Christ as complete when he died on the cross. Are justified. <laughs> I love it. And by him, All that believe are justified from all things. It's not a sin that you committed that God won't pay for. But you know, there is a sin, it's the unpardonable sin. Saved person cannot, let me repeat, cannot commit that sin. Did Christ say in this same verse that he did for us? Isn't that what? And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which he would not be justified by the law of Moses. Even if you could keep the law of Moses, which is a schoolmaster tell us what we should and shouldn't do. And the further teaching, if you want the back end of it, is talk to some people and know tell you I do this or I don't do this me and my doctor I had on this shirt he said you're such a walking troublemaker aren't you I said amen doctor said but there are a lot of people that would be offended if they didn't have your same view if a shirt about Christ offends you you need to be born again dog I don't have no problem saying that I'm not coming down on anybody when you get to know Jesus Christ it says right here and by him, all that believe are justified from all things. 
from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law is such a group. Don't do this. Have you ever looked at your child and said, don't do that? What did you do? You lay down the law to them. That's all Moses' law was. You can do this, you can't do this, you can do this, you can't do this. Christ says, you can do anything you want to as long as it glorifies the Lord. All right. We'll close here. Turn to the book of Romans. Book of Romans, we just have one verse here in chapter 4 and verse 25. God said, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? See, if Christ hadn't came up from that grave, we'd still be lost. He overcame the grave. Now, this is my own private little thing that I love and I've, I've always taught myself that. I give up things I know I shouldn't do because of him. Because of him. See, you can't say, if, if it offends our brother eat meat, I'll eat no more meat in front of them. I mean, you know, I'm not going to eat my favorite meal if it offends somebody, but that don't mean I'm not going to eat my favorite meal. What did God say? He said in 425, who was delivered for our offenses. They, they crucified him, but because of my offenses, he came out of that grave. Victory. For what? To be justified. I could never be justified if he was still in that grave. It's victory. I mean, you know, he was crucified. He suffered. But, brothers and sisters, on that third day, if he hadn't came out of that grave, we'd all still be lost. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the privilege that's been given to us tonight to, to study.